Yes, radio, someone does still love you. But especially someone, in fact many people, still love Queen. It was reported this past Sunday, Bohemian Rhapsody, the biographical film about the British rock legendary band and lead singer Freddie Mercury, sold over 7 million tickets here, becoming the third most watched film of the year. The Korean success of this has been partly attributed, or mainly attributed even, to the popularity of the music itself. The sing-along renditions have been particularly interesting. Some local theatres, like in Yongdeungpo, becoming known as Wemdeungpo, and Coex as Kobli, have been playing on the whole Wembley Stadium atmosphere, where Live Aid first took place in Britain, um, in the London area, in 1985. Let's head to the UK. Helen Kennedy is Head of School of Media at the University of Brighton. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. So it's over a month after Bohemian Rhapsody first hit the big screens of this country. Its tickets continue to sell sell strong. It's, It's almost a cult classic before it's had time to achieve that status. What's the reception been like in Britain? Yeah, I think um, Britain is just ahead of Korea in terms of the actual sale figures. And I know that it's made nearly 600 million worldwide, hasn't it? So it's proved an enormous success. We haven't got the sing-along version here yet. That that looks like it's set to kind of hit the UK in early January. So one of the small independent cinemas here in London, the Prince Charles Cinema, is advertising um, screenings in early January that are sing-along. But that hasn't happened yet. Other musicals have had inc- incredible success with their sing-along versions. In fact, the, the sort of critical flop that was The Greatest Showman was kind of revived in the UK with its sing-along um, version, which, you know, paid to packed houses in the UK. And I think YouTube has been an excellent medium for witnessing that, hasn't it? You, you can see how much passion people have for reenacting <laughs> big numbers from these movies, even just in their own cars. Absolutely, yeah. The um, the sort of intense emotion of the sing-along seems to be enduringly popular, having been an early sort of form for cinema accompaniment right back to the very early days of cinema and all the way through to things like Rocky Horror Show, which, you know, still remains an amazing classic that people still go along and sing along, well, belt along to um, today, yeah. Do you think some of it's culture-specific, or do all people, uh, generally speaking, have something within them that, that, that will sort of find an interest in this somewhere in every country? <laughs> well, I don't have the kind of scientific background to be able to speak at a sort of species level, but certainly people talk about singing communally as something that um, goes across cultures and even across species, so you see um, animals do it as well. And that sort of participatory element of communal singing does seem to be something that crops up in loads of different cultures. I know that in um, your context, there's, you know, the whole karaoke, and karaoke isn't quite the same thing in the UK, but people are definitely enjoying the sing-along for also the dressing-up pop element that happens. So in the UK, the the sort of sing-along musicals like Grease, you have loads of people rocking up as in Pink Ladies costumes and as Sandy and Danny, and the same with all turning up in Wimples for Sound of Music. Exactly right. Yeah, dressing up as well as singing your lungs out. But it it has this kind of... 
I don't know if niche reputation is the right word, but certainly it's it, it's not exactly an everyday thing. Whereas the sing-along cinema experience has clearly been massive here, uh, as as the numbers show us. Does it suggest there could be a future of sing-along cinema, or, or or could this be more about Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But certainly, you know, we've had amazing success in the UK with Frozen sing-along as well. So it seems to be now a staple part of the um, annual calendar so there's some musical that's coming out so we had Mamma Mia 2 just recently didn't we here we go again that's also doing a sing-along version so it seems like musical cinema um, is going to have these sing-alongs and they're likely to be a kind of real augmentation for those audiences that already like the musical dimension who then have this opportunity to to participate in something that feels you know more collective than the sort of isolating experiences that people are, are having more and more at home um, in domestic settings so yeah I think that the popularity isn't going to go away and is part of a kind of growing experiential economy anyway so people are seeking out these intense often very fleeting but eminently shareable you know shareable via social media kinds of experiences that that are you know they offer some kind of intensity through the their participatory nature sometimes through the the fact that they are um more ephemeral or fleeting so some of the experiential cinema um events that might be a one-off so you might see for instance mika Levy live conducting the score of Under the Skin. Now that's not a sing-along, but it's a, a very unique individual but, but augmented experience of cinema and the people in that audience you know, feel like they're having something that's very different to a run-of-the-mill experience. I remember years or, ago, you know, uh, sorry to jump in, but I remember years ago <laughs> watching um, Moulin Rouge and uh, at the time I definitely would not have considered myself someone who enjoyed musicals but i remember enjoying that movie and wondering why uh and and I, I sort of came to the conclusion very quickly it was because i was pretty familiar with all the songs already and um you don't have to have the patience of getting to know music and bohemian rhapsody surely has that appeal as well for people who don't already love musicals oh definitely and you're playing to a particular you know a there's so many different constituencies of fandom there that you can draw on. So there's already the 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 still permanently in mourning lovers of Queen's music and Freddie Mercury, the character, who'll go and see anything that's about him, doesn't matter what it is. And then you've got people who love going along to musicals, who are another kind of audience. Many people who love going along to sing-alongs, then that's another audience. So you've got sort of a triple whammy there, haven't you, who might potentially enjoy it. And then you've got people who love biopics. There's another set. Yeah. who love movies about dead dead and um, dead music stars so you've got all of these different potential fandoms that you can tap into with a film like that and you mentioned moulin rouge because in the uk there's an organization called secret cinema who are perhaps the most successful um wing of experiential cinema in the uk and they they put on what are basically um experiences in the live set of particular movies including um old popular classics like moulin rouge classics from the 80s and 90s such as blade runner back to the future star wars those sorts of things but they did moulin rouge and yeah I mean, they had sort of sell out nights of people coming along to sing along in this in a space that was done out like the the moulin rouge set so, yeah 
Yeah. So, well, some stories and some songs just really lend themselves to it. A, a, a quick tangent on Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. There's been this suggestion in the local media here that there's a surprise that Korea, a relatively conservative country, should be loving the more liberal lifestyle, should we say, of Freddie Mercury. Now, without going too far into some of the areas of discrimination there, I'm not so sure whether that is surprising. I mean, it's perfectly possible, isn't it, to enjoy a movie and enjoy the music without necessarily personally changing one's political opinions or or having to really bend one way or the other? Yeah, I, I don't think that um, that's a necessary taken-for-granted position of the audience. You know, uh, as I said already, the fandom doesn't have to be aligned with the sexual mores of the, the principal character there or or with the sexual proclivities of, of Freddie Mercury because that's a story about a particular um, star who was incredibly popular an amazing perform, performer who managed to, to play to sell out stadia who didn't really you know at times when which weren't so liberal as they are now you know people managed to see beyond that yeah. beyond any scandals. Well, his charisma transcends all, I I, I think many of us would agree. We are almost out of time, so I want to ask you one final question on this kind of experience going further in the cinema theatre with more and more of us binge-watching TV shows in the form of movies almost um, on, on platforms like Netflix. Do cinemas have to do more to compete, like, for example, offering food-related movies, offering food, music-related movies, offering singing, etc.? I think, yeah, as I sort of already alluded to, the rise of the experience economy and the sort of the, the amount that you can now get just at home with a nice big screen does mean that cinemas have to return to perhaps their their earlier function where we had the cinema of attractions, which was part of a series of exhibitions and events in the very early days of film. And you can see now that both theatre and film are kind of playing together here in in the the audience development um, line, where you've now got opera, theatre, and ballet being live broadcast into cinemas, sort of extending theatre's reach, but also making cinema a venue for different kinds of experience. So they're kind of mutually benefiting each other in the development of different kinds of audience experience. And I think we'll see more and more of that as. People have, yes, this kind of smorgasbord of digital solitary activities that they can do, but seek out more and more these communal, participatory, very rich, um, often quite intense, but fleeting um, community or collective experiences that are quite different, that offer opportunities for taking photographs to share on social media, that offer dressing up opportunities to take photos to share. And so you can see, I can't see that going away. I can see that just intensifying with, you know, with, with brands now thinking not just of selling goods but they sell experiences of those goods and you know cinema just as much as anything else probably goes some way to explaining the uh, popularity of sports but that's another subject (laughs) helen kennedy um, from the university of brighton's school of media thank you very much for joining us Um, thanks for having me bye-bye